With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and today I am delighted to welcome back Stevie Mullen to the show. Welcome back Stevie. Thanks for having me Paul. It's an absolute pleasure. Stevie, you are known for being the president of St Rocks and I'm just wondering because obviously there's huge amounts of worry around uh, football in Scotland at the moment. Um, how's it been going um, with the candy over the last wee while? We've been doing okay, you know. We've opened up the club every day for people to come in and make ground improvements. It gets them out of the house, gives them a sense of community and again to talk to people. Now as a football club, as we're moving on, and just to let the people listen, we, we are tier seven of the pyramid. These are some of the things that we've got to put in place regarding a friendly match. Mm-hmm. So myself and Andy Cameron, who's the secretary and the manager of the under-20s development squad, we set up a wee programme, and a, so we had to put in a risk assessment we both had to pass a test to become COVID-19 officers, which we've both done and completed. So we, in a game, when a game's going to take place, 
both teams, the home team and the away team, have to meet outside the ground with the gates locked at separate bits. One meets at the car auction, the other one meets at the bus stop. I then go down, make sure everybody's there in attendance. I open the gate and let our team in. So they come in and go under the covered enclosure at the the rock side of the park. Mm -hmm. I then go back and let the away team in, send them round the back of the pavilion, and they get changed. Because the teams at our level aren't allowed to use the changing rooms and they're allowed to use the shower areas. The only people that's available for us at Rocks are people who assist in the match day. So that would be guys who maybe make the tea, pitch the fork, or fork the pitch, sorry, you know, and just basically clean up. They're the only people that's in attendance. Last week there was 56 games in our level at Tier 7. And we got a visit from Police Scotland with two meat wagons full of police asking us that we had been reported for having too many people at the ground. When we explained the procedures that me and Andy had put in place, they were very apologetic, but one of the comments that was made, because you wouldn't want to be held responsible for getting football stopped in Scotland. So we're tier seven, but that's the sort of restrictions that our players have been asked to do. Mm -hmm. They've got to turn up ready for the game. If they play and it's really adverse weather conditions, then they've got to go back and change back into the clothes they arrived in. You know, so there's no showers and there's no changing rooms for them. They've got to supply them all with their own individual water bottle because they can't share water anymore. And each of them get a, a, a canister, a sanitizer that they should have in themselves at all times. Mm-hmm. See, when you're looking at that, Stevie, I mean, this is tier seven of Scottish football because we have the pyramid system in place. The um, the announcement yesterday in relation to when we're going to get fans back in stadiums. I'm listening to this thinking how difficult it must be for a club at your level just to survive at this moment in time with all these different restrictions in place. If, for example, we have no fans in stadiums for another five or six months, what do, where does that leave a club at your level in your league? I won't specify ourselves. We, we we are sitting sort of okay just now, but there'll be a lot of clubs in a precarious situation because once you start, and we've got a start date for the 10th of October, mm-hmm. we've not had any indication that there's going to be fans allowed. My own assumption would be that they won't. There's no income whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Players will be looking to start getting paid. You've got to pay your electricity. You've got to pay your water. You've got to pay your rental. Even if it's friendly, you need to pay your match day's officials. So there's a big outgoing and absolutely nothing coming in. You get your sponsorship usually up front at the start of the season, mm-hmm. but when that goes, there's no even a drip of money if there's no fans. And it's a great impact to even the local community. We've got a wee local laundrette called Soapy Bubbles who are a sponsor of ours. But if there's no games going ahead, there's no strips. Usually on a Saturday if I've got to pick up strips, there would be 10 strips for all the different teams from the local area. Yep. That's gone. When the sunbeds were only be allowed to open, there was no towels coming for that. There's no towels coming for the hairdressers because of the lockdown. So these small businesses, the local butcher, Donnie, who sponsors us as well, he's not getting us going in, maybe getting 150 pies per Saturday. Yeah. So it's impacting on everybody. But the actual football side, I think a lot of the junior clubs might not be able to survive without any fans. The other thing is, if they say we're going to cut and tail this season and there's nothing, a lot of the players won't come back. Because mm-hmm. if they've not done anything for a year, from our level and down even to youth, we'll have a lost generation of footballers. 
That is a massive concern. We were speaking on Tuesday to Scott Bonner from the Portobello 06s team. He's a coach there. And that, that was what I was speaking to him about uh, off camera. Already, some of the boys have, have lost interest, Stevie. Now, on the one hand, I can understand it. But on the other hand, you think you need to keep these guys in the game. I mean, that's 2006s. And they're losing interest because they're just no playing, they're no training. And they're being going to be lost to the game. And if that's a whole generational thing, you add another, let's say, five, six months on it with these restrictions and the difficulties that that, that might um, put clubs like St. Rocks and others in. If you can't pay the players, then they're not going to play. You know, and you could lose something to the game altogether. So the economic um, hit that Scotland's going to take from, from the announcement from Nicola Sturgeon is huge and I, I don't know they, they must know they, they must appreciate just how big that is and you're going from tier 7 you're talking about there a butcher 150 pies but there's maybe 7 clubs within a 5 mile radius yep. and they're maybe all being supplied let's just say for argument's sake from the same guy that's huge for that business but if you lose the, the players if you've got an older brother who plays football you aspire to be like him you know, you've got an older cousin that plays for St Rocks and you want to be him. Mm-hmm. If these guys are on the plane, where's your aspirations going to go? Yeah. Is it going to be in a, a room watching a TV and saying, I want to be a DJ or something? Again, it contributes. There's no fitness element to it because if the kids are all out training, at least they're mixing with people and getting a bit of physical exercise. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm really worried that we, we have a, a missed generation. I don't think there's anybody champion our cause you know, guys like Peter Lowell and that, they, they will look after Celtic correctly and put them. I don't think at our level we've got anybody champion us whatsoever. I don't think they actually understand our grade of football. No, no, you're right. Now, if that's level seven um, or tier seven, uh, as it were, in Scottish football, Stevie, when you go up the leagues, there's going to be there's going to be massive casualties. There's going to be huge casualties. And what I was speaking about yesterday to Colin was to try and prepare ourselves for how this is going to affect Celtic. So one of the big things we're talking about is um, obviously no revenue at the turnstiles. They're going to be looking at a big black hole of cash that they would have expected normally to have come through. How are they going to, how are they going to balance the books? Is it going to uh, result in us losing a couple of our first team players, maybe our star player? And these are the things that I'm now preparing myself for. But Previously, in, in any other circumstance, we would never be looking to sell Edward. But if someone is prepared to, and you've already made the point to me off camera, a lot of clubs are hedging their bets on the, the transfer fees, aren't they? Well, if you look at Jack Grealish and James Madison, who were the two shining lights you know, down south last year, they were going to go for all this big money to all the big clubs. Both of them have resigned. So there's no the big bids coming in for them, and they're shining lights in the English Premier League. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if you're going with Celtic, We've put quite a big outlay for new signings. But if you've got 50,000 season ticket holders, and God bless the guys for renewing their tickets, but it's an average of maybe 400 quid. That brings in £20 million. Our wage bill is £26.5 million. Mm-hmm. So there's £6.5 million, you're down right away because there's no match day revenue. The merchandise, I don't know how much income that will bring. But if you've got Celtic Park and Lennox Town to maintain, and the money that costs to keep all the parts great, you're going to have to find that somewhere, you know. Yeah. Very, very fortunately, and it maybe ties in a wee bit with the conversations you've had the last couple of days, that we have actually have a genuine billionaire in charge of a club. Mm-hmm. 
who has a great love for Celtic. Don't know if he would turn up at Allo on a cold night, but he loves Celtic Football Club and he'll look after that as if it's a prized possession. So we're really, really fortunate if Dermot Desmond will always. Let's talk a wee bit about Dermot Desmond because he gave a rare interview. Unfortunately, it wasn't with a Celtic state of mind, Stevie. He's welcome here anytime he wants, just in case anybody at Celtic's listening. But some of the interesting things that he said, because I know it wasn't a hard-hitting interview, and I don't think it would have been possible to have that interview and that chat with him. Part of the deal would have been that, obviously, there's certain things you can you can ask and certain things you can't. But one of the interesting things was the comments around Seville, the Seville team, comparing that to the current team. The reason I'm bringing it up is I know you are hugely invested in that, as as was myself around about that time. Um, so we've seen it. We've seen the impact of O'Neill coming in, the incredible players he brought in that team. Another thing about O'Neill that I love and, and maybe he doesn't get a lot of credit for is being able to use what he already had as well. You know, some of the, the linchpins of that team were already there and maybe no day in a great deal. I'm not, I'm not using Larson as an example here, but someone like, let's say, Petrov, who was moulded into the player that we grew to love. Um, you know, we had a Champions League winner in Paul Lambert there already. You had Maravchik, who was getting on in years, but he utilised them properly. And that's a team that you and I are very, very fond of. I mean, I'm looking at that now thinking, is that the only side, as a Celtic supporter, that I'll ever see in a European final? Potentially. You know, that's potentially the only side I'll see. What did you make of the comments that Dermot Desmond made about comparing Lennon's current side against the Seville side? Again, I hope age doesn't cloud us, but if you're just going to go through it, I've not seen enough of Barkas to compare him with Rob Douglas. If it was Fraser Foster, Fraser Foster would have walked in, hands down. Yeah. If you're going to play a 3-5-2 and you're going to the wide guys, wide right, it's Didi Aragat, or wide left, it's Alan Thompson. Then I think both of them would get in front of James Forrest and Greg Taylor. Mm-hmm. Shane Duffy, Julian, Ayer, Bilharan, Baldi, and Mialbe. I think I'm picking the three for Seville. Scott Brown, Ryan Christie, <coughs> excuse me, Callum McGregor, who's my favourite player at the present. I still wouldn't put them in in front of Lennon, Lambert or Petrov and up front I, I, I don't even think there's a comparison No If you've got Larson and Sutton they just walk in So possibly the goalkeeper would be the only guy I think would be competing for a place mm-hmm. Well I remember asking the question uh, I never I posed the question it wasn't mine to Big Rab Rab Douglas uh, Someone asked the question at one of these um, these nights you know the speakers nights and Big Rab said Foster's the only guy that would get in the team, you know, and he was honest enough to say that that was last season. Um, but again, Dermot Desmond can't possibly say anything else, can he? He's got to back up the team that he's he's currently involved in. I mean, the thing the thing with the Seville side is uh, when you put them up against the big guns, you know, you just you looked around that side and you think to yourself, imagine being in that changing room where every single one of them was a leader. Everyone was a giant almost, Stevie. But, but the other great thing about that team as well, and it goes, <coughs> excuse me, back to your spending regime. Every goal that was scored away from home in Europe that year on that run to Seville was by your big players. Yeah. Thompson, mm-hmm. Sutton, Larson, Hartson. There wasn't a wee guy that cost 20,000, broke through for the youths. It was all your big players that scored your important goals away from home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, sorry for interrupting. Dermot 
we're going for 10 in a row I wouldn't expect him to say anything else apart from boost his team and that's the greatest yeah. comparison we've got in recent history No you're right Now we know that uh, Dermot has employed three three managers from the north of Ireland and they've all been favourites we can't deny that Brennan Rodgers was a favourite because no, he certainly was um, but I know that Martin O'Neill you, you know, you you hold him in hugely high esteem, don't you? I mean, we've spoken about this before. Um, and he is your favourite manager yep. of your lifetime, isn't he? Yes. You go back to that, and Tommy Burns, God rest him, used to come into my friend's clothes shop, me Jim, who was in here a couple of weeks ago. And before Martin was announced as a manager, Tommy told us that him and Wally Hockey had been in contact with Gus Hiddinkt. Mm-hmm. And Tommy says, Gus Hiddinkt's going to be the manager. And Dermot came in at the last minute and went, no, he's no, it's going to be Martin O'Neill. And I think he got the introduction through Sir Alec Ferguson. Yeah. So Martin came in, and I think he shaped what I'd called a new Celtic. But Martin came in and just transformed, you know, his great phrase, Rangers are the benchmark, you know, mm-hmm. you're pummeling them all over the place. But he was still saying there, I think it was Graham Spears or something, they need to stop using this term because he's unbeating them every time you play them. But no, Martin was sensational for me. One of my big regrets about that time was the 6-2 game. I was at Reading Festival watching Rage Against the Machine. There you go. <laughs> I, missed, I missed that. Uh, it was a great <coughs> festival, didn't I get me wrong, Stevie, but uh, what's your memories of that day? When you go and you're not quite sure how your team's going to go, our season tickets at that time were in the new stand, we were a higher tier, and... Just we start to finish the power. And again, the great thing about that is um, Rangers were a really, really good side. Yeah. Some fantastic players in it. Mm-hmm. And we absolutely battered them. You know, power, pace, no shortage of ability. But you're watching guys like Sutton, you know, they're not taking any of this sort of bullying that you'd maybe been get for a few years prior to that. Mm-hmm. You know, all of a sudden these guys were standing up and going, you know, Michael Ball, a couple of years, how oh, can we play against them? They're all big guys. Well, we'd been having that for years. Martin introduced this. Big guys who could all play. Athletic guys, but with no shortage of ability. It was absolutely fantastic. Great, great times. And now we're on the cusp of 10 in a row, Stevie. And, you know, there's been a wee bit of gleam taken off of that because of everything that's been happening, of course. And, I'm a bit concerned about what the future holds in terms of the football and in terms of this season. But when we're looking at the the two teams and comparing them, you mentioned about James Forrest, that I know as a player you regard highly, he might not get into the civil side. But the question we're kind of asking here is, he's the type of player this season, by the way, we've got loads of great comments coming through and we'll work through them um, as as we go through the broadcast. But James Forrest is the type of player who this season and other seasons, it's one of the ones that gets loads of stick. Now, there's been players like that in the past and they're underappreciated by sections of the Celtic support, not by everybody, they're underappreciated. Yet other players, we seem to forgive everything that they do. And, you know, when you actually balance it up, why? Why is James Forrest so underappreciated yet Every other day I'm on this podcast saying I'd love to see Lee Griffiths back in the side, even though he's let us down so many times. How does that happen? I think people can get into the minds of people. Like if we're going to say Lee Griffiths versus James E. Forrest, you know, one's wide, adored when he doesn't play, and one's wanted out of the team when he is playing. Mm-hmm. If you go back, I'll, I'll give you some of the things. James is 29, 
He says, 10 years as a first-team player. He's played 250 first-team appearances and he's scored 60 goals, which is roughly one in four. He's won nine league titles, five Scottish Cups, five League Cups. He's a PFA Player of the Year 2018-19, Scottish Football Writers Player of the Year the same year, and a Premiership Player of the Year. Lee's 30, six years as a first-team player at Celtic, 151 appearances, 84 goals, which averages one in two. Both roughly make 25 appearances per season. Mm-hmm. Lee's got seven league medals, four league cups, two Scottish Cups, player year 15-16. All his awards were in 2015-16. So Lee Griffith's career at Celtic has been in slight decline for the last four years. But everybody wants Lee in the team, although he's not available. Mm-hmm. He's not played, I say, he played two months at the start of the season, then missed five months. He's not available this year. James A. Forrest is there all the time, never on the back pages, never controversial, but there's a difference. People like Lee Griffiths do. Is it because he's persona? Some of his antics, for a better word, at Ibrox, does that endear him to Celtic fans? Well, James Forrest does his job and goes off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. I mean, the corner flags, the scarfs against the posts, the tricolours. And, and you've got a guy in James Forrest who is there constantly. He's he's consistently there. He's part of the team. The goals that he scored, I wouldn't bet against him scoring tonight. This is a type of game that's made for James Forrest to score, you know. Uh, do you think he'll start tonight? Again, I would like to see him start. But when you ask me this, I always usually give what I think would be mm. my team. Mm-hmm. But I think the difference is I, I think I need to start getting a wee bit more educated and think what I think Neil's Lennon team would be because I'm always miles away. So I think Neil Lennon would start the night with Barkaz, back three, Jul- Elhamid, Duffy and Ayer. Mm-hmm. James Forrest wide right, Greg Taylor wide left. Midfield three, Scott Brown, Cal Mack and... Oh, what's his name? Brian Christie. Mm-hmm. And the only bit that I could see would be controversial. If he's going to just play one up front, I think it would be Eddie Wayne Cham behind him. If he's going to be brave and play a Yeti and Edward, then, then Cham would drop out. I hope he does play with the two. I was saying that earlier on, Stevie, when we did the, the 1230 Bulletin. It's a partnership. We've not seen enough of it. We've not seen a lot of it, rather. But I can see signs that that's going to work. It's going to be a, a, a really good, exciting partnership. And I regret the fact that we didn't get the opportunity to see Edouard with Dembele together for a great period of time. It would have been brilliant just for one season, Stevie, just to see the two guys you know, gel together and, and the, the carnage that would have ensued. I'm now getting a wee bit concerned that we won't get to see this partnership. I mean, Ayetis came in, £5 million, he's getting fit, he's looking, he's looking the real deal, isn't he? And Eduard's obviously missed a few games, injury, being rested. I'm hoping we're not bracing ourselves for the departure of Odson Edward. I think if you play two up front, you engage their central defenders. Mm-hmm. You know, both of them are going to have somebody to mark. I, I don't think Eddie's going to leave in this transfer window. But I was listening to the guys during the week and they were all saying the same thing about squad rotation and mm. looking what you're doing. See, if you don't want to play 60 games a season, don't sign for a successful team. I know. And why do the good players never get rotated? Two best players in the last 15 years in the world, probably Ronaldo and Messi, they never get dropped and rotated. 
So guys are listening. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I switched to Boost Mobile and got a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Want to know the best part? Uh, it was free? Nope. The fact that it's on America's largest 5G networks? Nope. It's the ding. Oh yeah, love the ding. Right? It's all about the ding. It's the dingarooski, the dingaroner, the ring-a-ding-ding. Unleash your power to save with Boost. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone when you switch. Boost Mobile, unleash your power. And the ding. Limited time offer. New customers only. Available on select networks. 5G not available everywhere. One device per line. Tax excluded. Additional restrictions apply. See your local Boost Mobile store for details. Ability to get rotated. So if they can play, so can everybody else. Callum McGregor, 60-odd games the last couple of years. He's still our best player. So he doesn't need to rest it. He's so important, Stevie. So important. Yeah, given us what you think Neil Lennon will will start with tonight, any predictions for the score? I think if we don't win at least 3-0, and I know it's an away European tie, I think we've let ourselves down a wee bit. I think it would be a disaster if we don't comfortably win this game. I've gone for 3-0. I've gone for a Yeti with the first goal. I also think, or I've predicted two up front, uh, Eddie and, and uh, a Yeti. I'd love to see that. But what we'll do is we'll have a look at some of the comments. Steve and I will be live at 5.30, half an hour before kick-off. We'll enjoy the first half. We'll be talking about the halftime analysis for 15 minutes and then a post-match reaction. And hopefully we'll have smells on our faces, Steve. Um, now, Gary Doonan uh, is joining us via Facebook. Welcome to the show, Gary. A non-striker hitting 100 goals. Goal ratio better than past players in his position. Naka, Proven, Doyle and the legendary Charlie Tully. Second only to our voted best ever player, Jinky. That is some company. You bet he's underrated. Can't argue with that, can you? No, I told you Gary knew what he was talking about. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> what, what I like about Gary is, you know, the, the, the stats and the facts that he uses, Kindy answers the question, doesn't it? I mean, he's totally underappreciated. But there's guys, you know, again, I listen to the show every day, even if I'm not here. And for the last week, I've heard yourself, Paul, and your other guests talking about Christopher Ayer mm-hmm. and all the things he adds to the team. And most of it's, he joins in the play, he comes out for the back, he can score a goal, he can pick a pass. I've never heard one of you talking about any defensive ability. Winning headers, tackling. That Seriously? Kind of no, you're right. He's a bypass that. Lawrence the other day, who I think is really, really good, says... These are all bonuses. So we've got the bonus without the basics. Mm-hmm. So it's just what people, if you can get into people's minds about what you do well, it covers up the deficiencies in his game. Yep. You know, uh, so you're, you're spot on. I, I would maybe use Frimpong as an example, as an offensive player, you know, because his deficiencies are overlooked because what he does is exciting. Yep. And it's good to look at. So the deficiencies are almost forgotten about. You know, the defensive play, for example. So I, I, I've got to be honest with saying maybe you guys are, are right and I'm wrong I like my defenders to be able to defend first and foremost mm-hmm. if they can play that's a bonus to me but I'd rather keep the ball out the net with their ability and let my creative guys get the ball in the net if they can pop up with a corner that Duffy's done a couple of times absolutely fantastic but that's not a prerequisite why I would sign a defender No, 100% and I think when we were crying out for a centre half and this is my biggest worry about Ayer you know, leaving. We're crying out for a centre half. We were looking for somebody in the mould of Duffy. Yep. No for his goals, for that 
being able to to win the headers at the back, to organise the defence, because we look upon Julian as, and Ayer as ball-playing defenders, don't we? And we were looking for, I'm not saying old-fashioned, but we're looking for the basics, the defensive basics from a player like Duffy. I think he's brought that. I still, I still think he's getting used to his teammates, which is natural, the goalkeeper behind him. Do you think Duffy will be good for Ayer if he stays at Celtic? I think he'll be great for him, but I'm a wee bit, again, perplexed that Nobody picks up on the fact that Julien's the same age as Duffy. Mm-hmm. You know, and if Christopher Ayer, and I heard the guys the other day that Ayer's been playing in the first team professional football since he was 15, that's seven years. You should be getting rid, rid of a lot of your mistakes in seven years. If you're no learning, are you ever going to learn? Mm-hmm. Do you think if he was, and I know the AC Milan, it's not, it's not as though they've made a bid, right? They're talking about a shortlist of players. You saw the Celtic shortlist like everybody else about a year ago. It's an extensive list, Stevie. Chris Ayer's on AC Milan's list. Doesn't mean to say they're going to try and buy him, but, you know, they like him. He's maybe on a, a shortlist. If he was to go to a club like that, can you see him progressing to the levels of a, a player that, you know, you look at some of the, the success stories after leaving Celtic, do you think he could go into that category? My own personal opinion is no, and I think if he was the player that we all hope he was, I think he would be at Leicester City by now. Mm-hmm. Because Johnny Evans is getting on in age years. He's not the best ball-playing centre-half. So you aren't sure the other guy they've got. He's good, but a wee bit of a bomb scare. So they've got a, a vacancy mm-hmm. for a Christopher Ayer-type player because Brendan Rodgers insists in playing the way Christopher Ayer would suit. So I think if he was really in the higher echelons of the, the game, I think... Brendan Rodgers would be over him like a rash. Mm. Do you think he could play at that level? I think he would be really, really struggling. Yeah, I think he could do the attributes that he does for Celtic. I think he would be able to contribute that down south. But I think defensively, when you look at Harry Maguire being exposed to what he does at £85 million, I think Christopher Ayer would suffer the same fate in that mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. Now... As always, Stevie, we've got some brilliant comments coming in and we will go through as many as we can. Alex Hayden commenting on YouTube. For everybody out there watching on YouTube, please subscribe. I think we only get about 30% of our viewers are subscribing on YouTube. It's free. You can get notifications. Um, Get on. Get on YouTube and get subscribing if you can. What do you guys think if, come May, we make it 10, would you carry on with Neil Lennon or give Jack Ross a chance if he continues his development? I certainly would. Now, I've heard Jack Ross and Celtic being used quite a bit in the same kind of breath, right? And I've said on this podcast a number of times, I like Jack Ross as a manager. I think that what he's done so far, I mean, even Sunderland, when you think about it, Stevie, I know he was sacked, but as part of his development, it was an important part of his development. He's gone in there. It's I think the, the amount of players, the turnover of players, first team was 30-odd, in and out. And I think he did well. He did well. Is he at a standard that you would expect as a Celtic manager? I asked somebody in the game, and their um, view on it was that Jack Ross, um, there's something missing to his managerial game. And there's something that he felt was missing was the ability, which is a great ability in football, to take risks. But the risks that sometimes you need to take. He plays it too safe. I don't know if that would prevent him from being a future Celtic manager. I think he would still need to do more than he's done presently. However, ask me at the end of the season, 
Because I've tipped Hibs, not to win the league, but I've tipped him to be pushing for second. If it's my opinion on it, then Neil Lennon was saying the other day, you know, he's going to bring in a psychologist to help his players because mm. the pressure that Celtic are under this year must be absolutely immense. Oh, yeah. I was talking to a top sports psychologist the other day and he thinks that Neil needs to talk to somebody. He's shown a lot of characteristics on the side of the park that had him a wee bit worried about Neil. So if Neil gets the 10 in a row, which God willing he will, if he decides to walk, then Celtic, depending on where we are, you know, after the pandemic, mm-hmm. where we're going to play our trade after that, would Jack Ross be a suitable candidate? I think it would depend on where we're going to play our trade. If it's going to be in Scotland, he may be an option. I certainly don't think he's done enough to be anywhere near the Celtic job presently. But would he have enough experience if Celtic were going to start playing in the Champions League? Mm-hmm. Would he have any knowledge of the European game? Who would his backroom staff be? Would he, st- would he be better, for example, than John Kennedy to be your manager? And if you've went, and again, this is solely my opinion, from Brendan Rodgers to Neil Lennon to Jack Ross, I think we're going down in a spiral. Mm-hmm. Because we're going for a guy who's, excuse me, a slip away from winning the Premier League in England yeah. to a guy who gets sacked by Bolton and a guy who gets sacked by Sunderland. I don't think we're talking in the same ballpark with him. No, that's, you know, when I'm looking at what next, it's sometimes difficult to think about Celtic at the moment without Lenny being there and what we're trying to build. But you've always, always going to have to have that um, planning. You've got to, you know, succession planning. And who comes next? Kennedy's highly rated. Um, I, I still think there's certain people that uh, are itches that uh, Demet Demon Dermot Desmond needs to scratch. There's certain individuals that he would like to see in charge of Celtic. I don't think Jack Ross is one of them. I think Dermot, again, we're lucky to have a billionaire who's got a real love for the club. Mm-hmm. If we were fortunate enough, and I'm using that because that's where I would want to play my trade in the Premier League in England, if we go there, we would get the best managers that are available to Celtic and the best players under Dermot's tutelage. He wouldn't allow Celtic to wallow. Uh, that's why I think we'll be okay because I don't think he would walk away if we were really hit financially by the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, you know what? It's a it's an, an incredible safety blanket, isn't it? Yeah. Um, a genuine billionaire. I like how you say a genuine <laughs> billionaire. Um, some brilliant questions coming through. Football Prime Ginger, I noticed you mentioned uh, you were getting involved rather in the broadcast earlier today. Hi, Paul. Would you accept an aspiring football broadcaster for work experience next year? I have a big goal in life to be a broadcaster when I'm older. Of course we would. Yeah. So get in touch with us on social media and we'll get you in. Get you in the studio. Do my job. Give me a day off. <laughs> yeah. Anything you good to do your job, Paul. If uh, anything at all we can do to assist, we certainly will. Absolutely no problem at all. Hugh Connolly, Paul, a bit older now. SM wasn't interested till Axon would love one of your books signed cheers for making my day well Hugh all you need to do with the books is if you get in touch on social media you can get you can get a couple of my books signed no problem at all I'm happy to send them out uh, you can find me on Twitter or Facebook and we can exchange addresses etc Damien Gallagher is squad rotation a good idea or too unsettling for the team given that it keeps players match fit etc and therefore makes it easier for players to slot in if and when injuries occur. Thoughts? 
This is one that, that keeps coming up, the squad rotation. I, I think Celtic are in a, a situation, Stevie, where we have the personnel. We've got, you could probably line up two different teams who would be a strong side, in, in domestic football at least. And I think it's part of the game. You mentioned earlier, McGregor, he is a bit of an anomaly when he's playing 60-odd games. Most people's bodies can't take that. We calf strains here, you know, injuries to the hips there. Players, unfortunately, once they get over 30, their bodies are different. And I think squad rotation is something that we've just got to accept now, as is the rotation of formations and things like that. I mean, having a few, I mentioned you earlier, but other people who are in here who are involved in football at different levels is a a real eye-opener. So we had Danny Lennon in talking about how you know teams and players adapt within a game never mind before a game you can't just send somebody out and that's that's it they've got to adapt during the game so the formation changes a number of times during a single match and James McDonough spoke about it it was very interesting what's your thoughts on that I know that um, obviously being involved with St Rocks but what's your thoughts on that I think just now it should be easier for the players to maintain themselves because you're in this bubble Mm-hmm. Where basically you go to training, go in on a match day, or you go home. You're not really allowed any outside influences. Squad rotation, if I was back playing and I was a very good player, I would go crazy if the manager took me out of the team to just to put somebody else in. I would want to play every available situation. Mm-hmm. Say, Betty Old, you train six days a week and you get a day off on a Saturday to go and play football. So why would it... I really don't get squad rotation. Understand the need to give guys games, but you maybe try to set up games away, friendlies at Lennox Town or wherever you could to give the guys minutes. I would, I certainily wouldn't want to come out of the team for somebody else to go in just to, because they're due a game. Mm-hmm. If I play badly, then I, I'm deserved to boot, but yeah. if I'm playing well, I don't want to boot the team. How frustrating must it be? And It's not because he's not playing well, just simply he's not playing. A player like Tommy Rogic, who... Regards himself as a first team player. He's twenty seven. He's an international. He's had some great times at Celtic. He's just no playing months on end. No games. That must be frustrating. Oh, that drive you crazy. But you need to do something different to force your way into the team. You shouldn't get a game because of your name or what you've done in the past. You need to prove that you're better than the present incumbent of that jersey. Mm-hmm. And I know you're a big fan of Tom Rogic. Would you put him in the night in front of any of the four guys that were mentioned who are going to possibly play in midfield? No chance. So no that's Neil Lennon's d- d- dilemma. Yeah. He's yeah. really, really loyal, Neil Lennon, to the players who turn up week in and do a job for him. You see, sometimes to a fault, mm-hmm. but Tom Rogic doesn't deserve to be in front of the guys. And if I'm Callum McGregor or Ryan Christie get took out of the team just to give Tom a game, I ain't happy. No, no, you wouldn't. You certainly would not be. I mean, um, Another message coming in from Facebook. Oh, 100% he, meaning James Forrest, is underrated. Really don't understand why there are so many people who dislike or don't rate him. Sometimes, Stevie, right? And it's been mentioned in the past by managers. It's Sometimes it's the guys that come through the ranks that get that stick. Um, on this podcast, certain things pop up time and time again. Maybe it's my point of reference and we mentioned certain players, etc. Jerry Craney. Yeah. Right. So... I always go on about how we're not producing enough strikers. People rightly express views on the fact we're not producing enough goalkeepers. We're not producing enough centre-halves. They're absolutely right. Celtic used to produce prolific goal-scoring strikers, and we're not doing it. 
and I think the last one we had was Jerry. No, Jerry Craney. I told you my great story. Do you want me to tell you again? Please do. Me and my pal Stevie Cornway, everybody will know him as S. We came out of the jungle when he put seats in it and went to sit in the main stand for a season. And we were sitting behind a guy called Jack Flanagan, who was a well-known publican in Glasgow. And he detested Jerry Craney. To one day, he's gone crazy about him. And I says to S, I'm kind of shut up anyway. And I went, he's no plane, mate. And Jack Flanagan's answer to me was, I don't care, I hate him anyway. So you can't change people's minds if they dislike a player. I'm not saying James Forrest gets that vitriol awarded against him, but a lot of Celtic fans don't like him. No, I know. It's strange, isn't it? And I'm thinking back to unconscious bias. <laughs> but that's another <laughs> that's podcast elsewhere in the archive. Gary Doonan, uh, Facebook, not worried about Celtic status, but we might not have a league to play in. You know what? The strange thing about that is that discussion seemed absurd. That discussion, you know, that point that, that Gary makes there, so valid. But a few months ago, it seemed absurd when I was talking to David Lowe and we were speaking about not having a league to play in because so many clubs are going to go out of business. It seemed a bit dramatic back then, Stevie. Now we're all looking at it thinking, you know, that might be the case. I think the football and authorities higher than the SFA and the SPFL would really need to create differences where if Celtic survive and we're still doing as well as what we can be, that we could get entrance into another league. Mm-hmm. You know, because... If it's going to happen in Scotland, it's going to happen in England. Some of the teams down there won't survive either. Absolutely. You seen the guy from Peterborough yesterday saying he needs 4,000 fans per week just to break even. So if these guys are all going to go to the wall, because I don't think the government will bail out all these clubs when they're paying guys £300,000 like Arsenal with Mesut Ozil, you know, to sit in the stand. Going to them for government money, I think it's a bit rich. It's, it certainly is, Stevie. That, that's where, you know, we're... we're Constantly banging a drum about the the fact that football provides so much to the economy and it's massive not just for the clubs and the riches of the clubs, it's massive because it provides so much to uh, the surrounding businesses and the people who are employed, not just as players. But you're absolutely right, if, if clubs are squandering that kind of money, yet still making people redundant. Well again, they had a wee good thing for Celtic fans, you know, who may be a wee bit worried about Odds and Edward. I read this morning that Arteta's track signed Coutinho. Right. So that would take his budget away for Edward. And again, when you're, you're looking at players, I don't know if you remember the Bayern Munich final there against Barcelona. Mm. The fullback who was walking about as if he was lost at Nights of Meadow got transferred for £38.5 million to Wolverhampton Wanderers a day. So we were totally underpaid for Kieran Tierney. Oh, yeah. I Nelson Semedo was dreadful that night. And Tierney. Now, thank you to young football prime ginger. Hopefully yep. we do find your name out so that we can get you on the show uh, very soon. We have the Celtic team. It's been announced, Barcast and Goals. Taylor, the, the great thing about this is it's done numerically, so we need to figure out how they're playing. Taylor, Duffy, Beaton, Brown, Christie, Encham, Eduard, Ayer, McGregor, Forrest. Looks like one up front, Stevie. Beaton's in instead of Hamid. Mm-hmm. That's a change. Yeah. Maybe a 3-5-2. Yep, absolutely. That's what it looks like, a 3-5-2. So, uh, Forrest on the right, Taylor on the left. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, would but you Brown, be... Brown, Christie, Encham in the middle. Yeah. No, no, McGregor, Brown, Encham in the middle, Christie probably playing off Eddie. Aye, playing up... up uh, up top, a Yeti on the bench alongside Bain, 
Clamalla, Turnbull, El Yunusi, Fring Pong, and El Hamid. Strong bench again. Yep, I see, but that, that's the only change. And he, he done that in one of the previous games, Neil, didn't he? Brought in Beaton mm-hmm. at the expense of Christopher Ayer. It's another one we were talking about earlier. A, a few people suggested Beaton might be playing. And although I didn't think he would be, I did say it wouldn't surprise me because Lennon has done it before. He can trust Beaton, can't he? He can bring him in for a big European game. Neil likes him. him. You know, yeah. He doesn't like him enough to play him every week, but I think in certain situations he's happy to put him in and trust him to put in a good performance. Beaton starts one up front. You sticking to the 3 0? Again, I've no, I've, no, I've no seen Riga. But I would be disappointed if we can't put them to bed comfortably. Mm-hmm. Well, what we'll do, I, I said 3-0, but I said I yet he's going to score the first goal. I'm going to change my first goal scorer if I may. Uh, I'm going to say James A. Forrest because he's been the subject of conversation um, on our second broadcast. Stevie will be back half an hour before kick-off. Can I tell my Tam McManus story before we yeah, go? Yeah, it would be, it would be a shame I not speaking, to. I was speaking to Tam McManus senior the other day and he's like, Real, real nice guy. He listens to the po- this podcast intently. He's a good Celtic man, a good St. Rocks man. But his boy came away with the best man the other day when he was talking about the Hibernian goal last week. He says, the guy was a yard offside. Half his body was in front of him, half was level. So Tam McManus Jr. made the guy six feet wide. <laughs> <laughs> You've got all the answer for Mr. McManus. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully your dad's uh, tuning in tonight. Uh, brilliant. Uh, and I hope you enjoy the game tonight, Tam McManus Sr. All that's left for me to say just now is thanks to everybody who gets involved with these bulletins and thank you to Stevie Mullen for joining me on a Celtic State Thank night. you, Paul. Thank you. number one audio company iHeartMedia gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company go to iHeartResults.com for more Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.